speeches, masks, vaccines. We've got a lot to cover. Welcome. This is the 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast, where we examine how this virus is affecting our lives. I'm 10 News reporter Matt Boone, filling in again for Ben Higgins. It's Friday, May 1st. So I had a fascinating interview with a vaccine researcher that we'll have later on in the show. Definitely stick around for that. He's got a ton of interesting information about the search for a coronavirus vaccine that I had no idea about. But first, a lot of things happening around California today. It was another day of protests, one of the major ones in Orange County, which Governor Gavin Newsom had singled out, closing all beaches there, saying the crowds on the beaches earlier this week and last had raised alarm bells. In San Diego, another protest here as well, urging politicians to allow for more reopening of other parts of our lives. And now a quick look at today's numbers. In San Diego, it was another deadly day, the county reporting 10 more deaths related to the virus. Another 147 people also tested positive, though keep in mind testing capacity for the county has been increasing compared to several weeks ago. In the past week, the new case totals have varied from 98 to 173 per day, bringing the total case count for the county to 3,711, with an estimated 1,963 people who have recovered. Today is the first day of the county's order that everyone wear a facial covering while out in public. That applies to everyone over two years old when they're within six feet of another person. For questions about all those rules, we have several stories posted on our website, 10news.com, delving into all the mask best practices. It's also the first weekend that beaches will be open across most of San Diego County, though there are still restrictions. And many activities like sun tanning, beach volleyball, and any group activities aren't allowed. Heed this warning from San Diego Lifeguard Chief James Gartland. People just have to understand that it's not a normal day at the beach anymore. The beach and the water are here for you to come down, get your exercise. The stay-at-home order is still in place, so we, we just come down, we exercise, and we head back. That's what we're asking people to do. The boardwalk is not open at this time just because it's a confined space, and we wouldn't be able to get that six-foot social distancing we need. So that's what we're asking folks. Just come down, get your exercise. Don't sit, don't stand, don't stop. Um, there's signage out, the lifeguards are out, police will be out. Um, they're going to be warning people and getting people to keep moving. On to our main topic of the day, vaccines. And I say vaccines plural because currently there are eight different vaccines already undergoing clinical trials and another 90 or so in preclinical development. And those are just the ones on the World Health Organization's radar. It's pretty incredible seeing as it's only May. Researchers in the U.S. only got the genetic sequence of the virus on the 10th of January. So when you ask a vaccine researcher like Shane Crotty about where we are, you get an answer like this. Yeah, it's a big question about where, what is the status of, of vaccine development. And I think the answer is uh, very early, but moving faster than it's, than it's ever moved for anything before. You know, obviously... You know, January, February feels like 100 years ago to, to most everybody, but it's uh, not very long and it's a very short period of time in terms of uh, scientific advancement timelines. Professor Crotty runs an infectious disease lab at the La Jolla Institute for Immunology. He started that 16 years ago when he learned there were less than 30 licensed vaccines for humans. 
my lab's obsessed about vaccine immunology. So uh, vaccines are extraordinary medicine. There are about 29 licensed uh, human vaccines, and, and most of them work on the basis of protective antibody responses. So we really try and understand um, how does your immune system generate protective antibody responses? What are the, what are the different uh, cells of the immune system that do that? How do those cells interact? What genes do they turn off and on? So that it's uh, easier to, to develop vaccines in a more rational way in the future. And that type of research is incredibly consequential for helping determine what type of vaccine should be made and what type of response it should elicit in the human body. The scientific community has obviously made big strides in the past 16 years, but he says vaccine development is still notoriously difficult. Any virus that can actually cause disease in people has at least one good immune evasion trick, one way in which the virus evades immune responses in some way. And so that can change which type of way you have to have immunity against that, that virus. Even as vaccines are being developed, Right now, Professor Crotty says there's one big question we still don't understand about this coronavirus. That is, how does the body's own immune system fight it off? And when it does, are you then immune? Do infected people actually develop an immune response? Um, or is this virus somehow really silent? And so if it turned out that uh, people really didn't develop immunity, uh, then that would be very bad news for vaccine development because it's, it's much easier to develop a vaccine that mimics what a human immune response normally would do. Um, if people don't normally develop immunity, now you have to figure out a vaccine that can convince the human immune system to do something it doesn't normally do, and that's a much bigger problem. That's a question his lab is working on and has been producing results that he hopes to publish next week. In the meantime, the race is on to use what we already know to push forward potential candidates. Innovio Pharmaceuticals, based here in San Diego, is one of the eight already in clinical trials. They started phase one in early April, enrolling 40 volunteers to receive their vaccine. So for a phase one clinical trial only assesses two, two things. Firstly, and most importantly, is the safety of the vaccine, which of course is absolutely paramount. So we check to see that there's no adverse side effects um, of the vaccine and nothing like that. But the second readout, what we call it, so the second thing that we get out of this clinical trial is looking at something called immunogenicity. So that's saying, do the patients create the right kind of antibodies and T-cell responses that we need them to generate that we think will be effective? That's Kate Broderick, the Senior Vice President of Research and Development at Inovio, in an interview on April 7th. She says they hope to have data from phase one by June, at which point they'll start manufacturing a large quantity of vaccines for the next phase, though at the time of the interview, she estimated that wouldn't begin until this winter. So we've set ourselves the internal goal of having one million doses of our vaccine ready for clinical testing by the end of 2020. Um, and that's very, very achievable. Their vaccine is unique in that it's known as a DNA vaccine, a much newer type of vaccine that's been approved in veterinary medicine, but is yet to create a licensed vaccine for humans that could prevent infection. At least six different general ways to try and make a vaccine, and, and people are using all six of those different uh, platforms or technologies to try and develop 
COVID-19 vaccines in different ways. And that's, and that's good because some of those strategies are better at eliciting one type of immunity than another. And we don't know right now which type is actually uh, best for protecting people. Um, but almost certainly one of them will be quite good at protecting. That's Professor Crotty again. He explains not only are there different types of vaccines, but as you mentioned before, there are different responses to those vaccines that you want to generate. There are scientific data in animal models, for example, that uh, CD4 T-cell responses in the lung are important. So those are helper T-cells would be the arm of the immune system uh, there. Whereas for lots of vaccines, it's really antibody responses, which is a different part of the immune response that are important. And uh, it's known that there are different viruses for which uh, an antibody response really can't be protective. And instead, you really have to have helper T cells or killer T cells to protect against that virus. Okay, just a quick lesson on the immune system, because these terms are getting thrown out a lot in this interview. I'm not a biology teacher, but bear with me. There are T cells. These are white blood cells that can only target one type of virus. There are both helper T cells and killer T cells. They work to find infected cells in your body and destroy them. They do that by identifying, and here's another keyword, antigens. Antigens are the little ID tags on your cells. Healthy cells have healthy antigens, but infected cells have parts of viral antigens sticking out, which those T cells can find and attack. Then there are B cells. They're also white blood cells, which when activated produce, and here's the next keyword, antibodies. They produce antibodies. And antibodies are proteins created to attack and disable the virus or bacteria from replicating in your body. So in very basic terms, and there are other parts, but your immune system has T cells, B cells, and antibodies to fight off intruders. Here's Professor Crotty again. Uh, almost all licensed vaccines work on the basis of antibodies. Um, but there are diseases where instead of antibodies, you really need uh, helper T cells or killer T cells. And so um, there are at least 80 different vaccine ideas that people are pursuing around the world as possible COVID-19 vaccines. And that's that's good that people have really started and they're exploring lots of different ideas. That's, that's very good. It's not everybody's exploring the same thing. The theory about DNA vaccines is that according to the World Health Organization, they have, quote, a number of potential advantages over traditional approaches, including the stimulation of both B and T cell responses, improved vaccine stability, the absence of any infectious agent, and the relative ease of large-scale manufacture. So that's exciting if we can get them to work in humans. But that doesn't mean traditional approaches won't work, too. In fact, there's already some research showing that a more traditional vaccine tested on monkeys in China may be enough. A first preprint made published, not, not peer-reviewed, right, but just publicly posted, uh, that I looked at and the quality of the data looked good. Um, and it was a very simple vaccine strategy in monkeys uh, done in China. It didn't elicit a fantastic immune response, and yet it was still protective. Okay. Uh, so all those things together, um, I find very encouraging. Another vaccine candidate being developed by researchers at the University of Oxford has shown similar results in monkeys and is already being tested in humans. According to reports from India, the Serum Institute of India has already decided to start manufacturing 60 million doses of it before the clinical trials have been completed in the hopes that if the vaccine does work, it can be distributed immediately. 
That's a tactic now being considered by the Trump administration, which is creating a new project called Operation Warp Speed. According to CNN, the goal of that is to make 100 million doses available by November, which, given what we know about the testing timeline already, would mean manufacturing hundreds of millions of doses of vaccines that may never be used with the hope that one of them would work. There are different things that can be fast-tracked about vaccine production, essentially. Uh, but they have a real cost. So under normal circumstances, nobody would consider doing them. Most candidate vaccines fail clinical trials. Uh, right? the, the success rate is low. So there's under normal circumstances, there's no way you'd go ahead and produce, uh, manufacture you know, some vaccine that, that, that maybe had a 10% chance of actually working. Right? Uh, obviously, 2020, uh, these aren't normal times. Yeah. Not normal seems like an understatement right now, but Fair enough. Generally, Professor Crotty seems to think there is positive momentum. I find there's good reason to be optimistic at this point that vaccine development will come, and I'm reasonably optimistic that uh, there won't be just one vaccine developed, actually. That uh, I think with the number of uh, different, different academic groups and pharmaceutical companies and countries trying out different uh, technologies. I think it's plausible that multiple different countries and multiple different companies develop uh, successful vaccines independently. So there you have it. The brightest minds in immunology around the world working faster than we've ever seen in human history. Completing this by November would be an unimaginable feat, though even November still feels years away right now. Thank you for listening to the 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast. I'm Matt Boone, in for Ben Higgins. Have a great weekend.